Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning. I don't know what it means to be homegrown, but um, I am really, really excited to be here. My name is Brooklyn Warren, and I have been on staff for the past seven years of Gwinnett Church. I remember flying from Washington State to Georgia in 2014 to, to be a part of this place, and it has been a tremendous honor and privilege to, to be a part of what God is doing in and through all of you, and we really are excited about the future. Uh, this is one of our favorite times of the year, Be Rich, uh, which is a chance for us to, to show in action what we say all the time, which is we want to be a church that, that's for our community. And so we love Be Rich. And we're in the middle of this series, as Reed said, called This Is How We Change the World. This is how we change the world. And I was thinking about this time where I thought I could change the world. I was 20 years old. And I feel like in our 20s, we have so much life experience and all this confidence, right? And so I was 20 years old. I was in school. And, and at that time, there was this particular pair of shoes that were really, really popular. And this is going to maybe age me a little bit. Um, Tom's shoes. Not Tommy Hilfiger, because someone thought that at 9.15. So Tom's shoes, uh, these were these like canvas woven shoes. Did anyone have a pair? My husband, this, a few of us, my husband asked me this week, he's like, do they still make them? They still make them. And then Reed told me that there's actually a competitor called Bob's. I was like, that's amazing. And I asked Reed, I said, do they still give a, a, a pair of shoes for a child in need? And he's like, yeah. So they literally just copied the entire, the entire thing. But, but Tom's shoes were so popular at this time. I remember I had a black pair. I had a gray pair. I had this limited edition white pair with blue stitching. And the idea of Tom's was this one for one concept. Uh, Blake Mikowski, the CEO and founder, really coined that idea, this one for one. And so what that meant is for every purchase of shoes, they would then send a pair of shoes to a child in need in a different part of the world. And it really was brilliant from a marketing standpoint. And people loved it. People gravitate, gravitated toward this. And, and each year, Tom's held this day, this day without shoes. And the idea was for 24 hours, you would walk around barefoot, creating awareness that there are so many people in, in different parts of the world who don't actually have the option of wearing shoes or not. And so I hear about this idea and I get so excited. I put it on my calendar. And so the day finally comes and I choose to participate and I will never forget walking in, into, into my college classes that morning. And it was evident right away that the enthusiasm and the creativity and the brilliance of Tom's hadn't yet made its way to Walla Walla Community College in Clarkston, Washington. And then I walk in and I'm just flooded with blank stares and people are staring at me. And so fast forward after classes, I, I drive to Starbucks to study and I'm waiting there in the Starbucks cafe wearing like a normal outfit and barefoot. And again, people are staring. And as I was remembering this story, I'm like, I love the irony of me trying to create awareness for children in need. And in different parts of the world. And here I am driving to Starbucks, spending $5 on an expensive coffee drink. And, and so I'm standing there and people are staring. And so I decide to, to skip studying and I walk across the street to this local thrift store. 
and I'm in there and I can't even remember what I was shopping for. I, I think I left with a pair of shoes, which is horrible. I am like not the poster child for Tom's, but I'm in there shopping and an employee comes up to me and she says, ma'am, excuse me, we have a sign on our front door. It looks like this, no shirt, no shoes, no service. And I, I look at this woman and I think, that sign doesn't apply to me. I'm doing this for a, an important cause. I'm making a difference. I'm changing the world, Toms. And she's like, who's Tom? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, but I'm, I'm trying to make a difference. And I would imagine you're watching this morning or you're here in the room and you haven't been barefoot in your college classes and you haven't stood in a Starbucks without any shoes on, but you probably can relate to this feeling that I had of, of wanting to make a difference, of wanting to have a life of significance and purpose. And if that's not you, you want to want to be that type of person. You, you want to want to be a person that wakes up and feels like there's something bigger than themselves that they're a part of. And so that's all of us today. And I think the problem is sometimes we, we don't know where to begin. We don't know where to start. We don't know what that looks like. And so that's what we're talking about throughout this series is, is that we really can make a difference and change the world. And so we began last week and, and Reed kicked off the, the series with this question. What are we known for? What are we known for? And what we talked about is, is what we as Christians, what we as Christ followers are known for, there's a direct correlation to what God's known for. And so then we asked, well, well what should we be known for? Well, what should be the thing that marks us? And we said, it's love. The thing that we should be known for is love, but not just any type of love. Now, not any type of love, this Jesus brand of love. This love that, that is radical and selfless and unconditional. This love that Jesus says, hey, in order for people to know that you are my followers, you ought to love one another as I have loved you. And so it's this crazy picture of love. And so today we're gonna explore what does that practically look like? What does this Jesus brand of love look like? And to answer that question, we're gonna look at the life of Jesus. We're going to look at his life and I think there we will, we will see what, what this Jesus brand of love looks like. And so we're gonna be in one of the gospel accounts. There, there's four in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and Matthew is this former tax collector, which essentially means he's the least likely guy that Jesus would choose and select to be one of his followers. But, but, but Matthew chooses to follow Jesus. And as Matthew spent time with him, and as he spends time with Jesus, he writes and he documents about all of these different experiences. And so we're gonna read one of those in Matthew chapter 20. We're gonna be in verse 29. And, and it says, as they were, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, um, they're leaving Jericho, they're headed to Jerusalem. A large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And I wanna pause right here. I don't know if you guys ever experienced this. When we read the Bible, we rush past some significance uh, at times. I'm really guilty of this because I'm just trying to check a box maybe. And, and so I love that Matthew includes some imagery for us because he says that there was a large crowd that followed Jesus. That there's this large crowd. And it's not surprising 
that there would be a crowd by Jesus. That, that's not a surprise. There were often a lot of people who, who gravitated toward him, who, who wanted to hear from the great prophet and teacher. They wanted to experience his miracles. And so it's not surprising that there's all of these people around Jesus. But I love that Matthew says it's a large crowd. Because what we also know based on other written accounts of people who spent time with Jesus is that crowds aren't 10, 20, 30, 40 people. No, crowds were hundreds, if not thousands of people. And so we have to imagine Jesus here with all of these people around him and the energy is high because they're headed to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, this festival. And then Matthew says that Jesus sees two blind men that in the midst of this whole crowd, he sees these individuals. And we see here that Jesus sees what others often miss, that, that Jesus wasn't distracted by all of these people, that he sees these two guys. And so the text continues, they were sitting by the roadside and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them, telling them to be quiet, be quiet. He told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them. And I love that we see a picture here of Jesus who's, who's going in this one direction, headed to Jerusalem, seeing these two individuals, he's willing to stop. And I don't know about you, but I hate getting stopped whether that's in traffic, whether I'm in the middle of a task and I get interrupted in the office or at home, right? Like we hate getting stopped, it's inconvenient. And yet we see Jesus here choosing to stop. Jesus who is headed in a direction, who has places to go, people to meet, lives to resurrect, miracles to perform, Jesus, kind of a big deal. He's willing to stop. So we see that Jesus sees what, what others miss, that he's willing to stop, and then it continues. Jesus asks them, what do you want me to do for you? He asked, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. It says, Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. And again, I love this, this detail here of compassion. Let me tell you what compassion doesn't mean. Compassion doesn't mean that, that Jesus sees these two guys and, and has this pity toward them and is like, oh no, these poor guys, poor, poor guys. Or since we're in the South, like, oh, bless their heart. I, I'm not from the South. So I, I, I told 9.15, I have no idea if I said that in the right context, but like bless their heart. That is not what Jesus is doing here or saying. Jesus isn't saying, oh, these two guys, let, let me come in and impress this big crowd that's around, around me. Let, let me show off, let me serve them and take care of them. No, I learned this week that compassion is a Latin word that means suffering with. And so it's bigger than pity. It's bigger than empathy. Jesus had an ability to wear their shoes for a day and put on our shoes and imagine what it would be like day after day and week after week to have people dismiss you and have people ignore you and neglect you and have people rebuke you and hush you and tell you to be quiet. And so Jesus had compassion toward them. And when we look at the life of Jesus, this is what we see over and over and over again. 
that Jesus was constantly moving toward the marginalized and toward the messes, that Jesus was constantly serving people. And so in these few verses, we see a powerful illustration of what this Jesus brand looks like. It looks like seeing what others miss. It looks like being willing to stop, that we're not too busy, we're willing to stop, and then we serve. And this is what Jesus does over and over. But what I love is Jesus doesn't just illustrate this for you and for me. He doesn't just illustrate this for his followers at this time. He actually instructs it. He he actually calls us to this. And so we see there's this consistency between what Jesus demonstrates and what he describes. And so what's amazing is the few verses right before, right before Matthew Chapter 20, verses 29, we see that, that Jesus is talking to his, his guys, his followers. And, and two of the guys, James and John, are, are talking to Jesus about their future. And, and they're essentially asking uh, for some, some benefits. They're, they're, they're talking to Jesus and they're saying, hey, in the kingdom of God, in the future, could we sit to your right and to your left? Hey, hey, Jesus, in light of everything we've done, in light of all of the time spent, and in light of the sacrifices we've made, can we have some insider access? Can we have some influence with you? And what I love about Jesus and, and how he responds is he paints this picture of how they've experienced other people gaining influence and using it for the benefit of themselves instead of others. And he says, don't you see don't you see that that's not what we should be about? And Jesus says, Haven't you, don't you remember that there's these Gentiles who, who gained all of this authority and they lorded it over you? Remember how you've seen that? Remember how that, that guy or the woman in the office got the promotion or the raise and it got to their head? Remember how that person got invited to this place and all of a sudden they're bragging and they're using their influence for themselves instead of others, Jesus says that's not the type of people we're gonna be. And so Jesus says this, not so with you, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but here is our word, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus paints this powerful picture that, that, that loving like him means we serve. That that loving like him means that we serve. And so I think what Matthew's trying to say in this collection of verses is in order for you and I to love like Jesus, we have to serve like him. If we're gonna be a group of people and if we're gonna be a church that's known for what we're for and we said that's this Jesus brand of love, what does that love look like? It means that we serve like Jesus. And here's the reality. You and I never look more like Jesus than when we're serving people. We never look more like Jesus than when we are serving people. And what's amazing about Jesus is he actually tells us that when we do that, that that when we serve people, we get to experience something as well. If you flip a few more pages into Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about what we get to experience as we do this. And and he says that we get to experience him. 
his nearness. He, he says that, that, that as you give water to the thirsty, as you feed the hungry, as you serve the poor, as you serve the least of these, it's as if you were doing it for me. So we see that we never look more like Jesus than when we're serving people and we're never closer to him than when we are serving people. And what's amazing is as Jesus's followers heard this, as they, as they saw Jesus demonstrate this and describe it, they took him at his word and they started doing it and they started serving people. And then those people started serving those around them and it had this domino effect. And this has been the aim for Christians generation after generation after generation. To, to be people who are willing to see what others miss, who are willing to stop and who serve. And believe me, we have not always gotten this right. You maybe are watching or you're in the room and you know someone who claimed to be a Jesus follower and yet there's this discrepancy between what they say they believe and how they behave. And for that, I am sorry. But the reason we're spending a few weeks talking about this at Gwinnett Church is because we wanna get this right. We want to be a church that loves and serves like Jesus. In, in preparation for this morning, I was spending some time reading these articles of origin stories about all of these nonprofits across the globe that began. And I was reading this Forbes article about the top 10 and it was amazing you guys to see story after story after story of these nonprofits beginning with a Christian, with a individual or a group of Christ followers, people who knew in order to love like Jesus, you have to serve. And the goal today isn't to make us all feel like we need to begin a nonprofit when we leave, that's not the goal, but the goal is to say that you have no idea what God could do with your willingness to see, to stop, and to serve. You have no idea. Because I know that if Linda and Millard Fuller were here today, they would tell you they had no idea that when they sold all of their possessions and they moved to the Southeast of Georgia and they built this cost-effective home that it would one day birth Habitat for Humanity. Or William Booth, in 1865, living in East London, and he saw an opportunity to serve the poor and feed them and share the message of the gospel. He never could have imagined the Salvation Army. Or Everett Swanson, who took one flight to South Korea and saw little boys and little girls on the side of the road getting picked up in a garbage truck, he never could have imagined that that would alter his career path and then that would one day birth Compassion International. None of these men or women could have fathomed that. They just knew that they had an opportunity to serve. And they just knew in order to look like Jesus, we have to love. And what does that love look like? We got to serve. And the reason this is, a big deal to me and is significant is because I've personally benefited from seeing someone do this in my life. Um, I'll, I'll never forget in, in 2005, uh, when the devastation of Hurricane Katrina hit the Southeast, I was in the Pacific Northwest and what felt like this distant headline all of a sudden became close and personal. 
because my grandmother, through the American Red Cross, chose to fly and, and go serve. And she wasn't there for a week, wasn't there for a month, not two months, but for 63 days she served. And if you're wondering if that made an impact on my life, of course it did. Of course it made an impact on my life, seeing my grandmother stop what she was doing and sacrifice all of this time. Sacrifice time with her family, sacrifice time with her favorite granddaughter, and I'm sorry to my sisters who are watching, but, but sacrifice time and go and serve because my grandmother had compassion. My grandmother had an ability to imagine a day spent in their shoes. So she had to serve. And, and maybe you've met someone like this. You, you know someone. And this is the type of lifestyle they have. They're, they're constantly serving. They're constantly showing up. They're the first ones to respond and do something. And it's bigger than just writing checks that they are spending their time serving people. And it's inspiring. It's so inspiring to see. And what's incredible, Gwinnett Church, is many of you, you're those types of people. I heard a story recently about Alvin. Alvin Hicks has been a part of our church for several years. And Alvin was actually sitting where, where you are today, hearing a similar message in the middle of our Be Rich season. And he heard about one of our community partners called the North Gwinnett Co-op. And each summer, we, we ask you guys to bring book bags and school supplies in to ensure that students in our community can have a successful school year. And you guys are always so, so generous. And, and so what's amazing is we get to go bring all of those book bags and supplies collected to the co-op and we get to have a huge celebration. And when families get to drive through and pick up these items, and so Alvin's there volunteering. And Alvin begins this relationship with the co-op. And so fast forward to about a month ago, the co-op calls Alvin and they say, hey, Alvin, in our food pantry, we're really, really low on a specific breakfast item, cereal. And what's amazing is Alvin's telling me this story. He says, hey, Mary, say no more. He stops. And he immediately goes to the grocery store. And so Alvin's getting all of these boxes of cereal. And if Alvin would have just done that, that would have been remarkable. But he didn't. He took it a step further. And so Alvin buys all of this cereal. He goes out into the grocery store and he records a selfie. And then he posts this video on social media saying, hey, the co-op needs our help. We have an opportunity to respond. And all of a sudden, he's flooded with phone calls and text messages, people stopping by his house, bringing boxes of cereal. He had people Venmoing him money who didn't have a chance to go get cereal. And, and so the next day, he, he takes all of this money collected and he's buying more cereal. And as he's checking out, he says that the guy at the register cashier said, oh wow, someone was just here buying a bunch of cereal as well. Someone on social media challenged him. And the woman in front of Alvin is listening and she overhears. And she gives Alvin $50 and says, hey, you should go get more cereal. So he finishes checking out. He goes back and he gets all of this cereal and he gets to show up to the co-op. And Alvin gets to see what were empty shelves representing children in this community who didn't have breakfast turn into this. Because Alvin understood, yes, it's amazing. 
Alvin understood in order to love like Jesus, we have to serve. In order to love like Jesus, we have to serve. Alvin had what Jesus had toward those two blind men, compassion, something bigger than pity and empathy, an ability to imagine a day spent in their shoes. And so of course he had to respond. And what's amazing about Alvin's story is as he did that, so many people were inspired to participate. And so many people wanted to give as well because I think we all have this desire, this desire to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, a desire to make a difference, a desire to change the world. Sometimes we, we make it complicated and we overthink it but I hope today you see that everyone can do something. So perhaps for for some of us, we just need to buy a few more boxes of cereal the next time we go to the grocery store. And imagine what that could look like for places like the North Gwinnett Co-op, for for us to be a group of people that, that says, hey, we don't want children in our community to face food insecurity. Imagine what it could look like for, for foster care families in our community to have the support and the resources and the encouragement they need. Imagine what it could look like for our schools and all of these community partners that are doing significant work. If they knew, oh, I, I, I need volunteers, Gwinnett Church, they're gonna show up. Gwinnett Church is always gonna be the first ones on the scene. They're always willing to stop and to serve. And I'm convinced if every single one of us did this individually, if we were people who see what others miss and we stop and we serve, then collectively it really could make a big difference and it really could change the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the example of Jesus. Thank you that that he illustrates for us what it looks like to love and to serve. And Jesus, we want to get this right. We want to resemble you. And so help us, help us do this really, really well. I pray for the person who's, who's on the fence, God, about faith and still has questions. Would they be drawn into you because you love and you serve? And may we as a church reflect that. May we be a group of people that's known for this Jesus brand of love and that we understand in order to look like you, we need to love and we need to serve. And Jesus, I pray for the nonprofits that we get to partner with, not just through Be Rich, but all throughout the year and the significant, significant work they do. May they know we are behind them and believe in them and we're for them. So Jesus, We love you and we pray all of these things in your precious and powerful name, amen, amen. All right, before you leave, as we said, we're in the middle of be rich. And so we have opportunities for you to do what we just talked about, for for you to serve. And so on your way out today, you're gonna get a card that looks like this with our reminder that we wanna be people 
that love and serve like Jesus. And so there's a QR code here. It's gonna bring you to our Be Rich website with all of these opportunities for you to serve. And, and there's everything from building a family fund gift basket for foster families to Thanksgiving meal boxes to going and serving at Eagle Ranch. And so we would love for every single one of us to participate. And so there's tons of opportunities. You can do this as a family. You can do this as a small group. You could do this individually and make some new friends. But I hope that you do this. And I'm convinced that as Reed said last week, the world doesn't need better explanations of Jesus. The world needs better examples that we get the opportunity to be a great example of Jesus as we serve. And so you're gonna get this on your way out and then as a reminder, we're celebrating our 10th birthday. And so in the lobby, we have limited edition t-shirts that you can get today for $10 today only. So we'd love for you to do that. And last but not least, it is October. The fall is here. And so Smorgonet, Smorgonet is around the corner, October 24th. It's gonna be a ton of fun. This is a great opportunity for you to invite some friends and we will see you um, then. But next week, we'd love for you to join us as we conclude this series with our good friend, Gerald Fatiomi. Have a great week.